Welcome to the Sales Acceleration Show, where we talk about the science of selling across the areas of demand generation, sales, and sales operation. This show is about doing. We focus on real problems, real solutions with real people, all dedicated to accelerating sales. I'm Gabe Larson. And I'm Steve Error. Let's dive in. Welcome, welcome to the Sales Acceleration Show. Um, we're going to be talking about coaching, training, developing today. I'm excited to get on on. Let's get going. I'm excited. Let's go. So we've Let's got go. Tom. We've got a. We've got Tom. Uh, Tom, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, guys. Awesome to be here. Yeah, Tom. Appreciate you joining. Tom Lavery is currently the CEO and founder of Boston-based startup Jiminy. Um, so before we get into to the conversation, Tom, would love to hear a little bit about uh, what you've been doing maybe at Jiminy, but also your, your kind of past experience in sales. Yeah, well, obviously, Jiminy, we're, we're a very new startup, and we can uh, chat a little bit about that today. But um, my background over the last eight years, um, I was an SVP of global sales for a company called Reward Gateway, sells HR software. Um, and we sold twice in the last seven years. Uh, but when I started, I was the, the kind of first guy in sales, and we scaled to about 50 salespeople and about 350 employees about uh, across about seven countries. So uh, we learned a lot in that time. We grew very quickly. It was, a, it was an awesome experience. Interesting, interesting. So 15 years total experience, run a sales team, and now uh, jumping more into the startup world. Is that right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, if you asked me a few years ago, would I ever start my own business? Uh, it probably wouldn't be one of the things I said I'd do. But uh, you know, we're um, one of the biggest challenges I had in my job as a uh, reward gateway was actually coaching and training my team effectively. And I think when you've got under like uh, fifty sales guys, you don't have the biggest amount of resources in the world in terms of like training budget or time. So um, you know, uh, we're really out to help people with, with that issue. Yeah, interesting. It'll be interesting to maybe hear a little more about Jiminy and some of the things, cool things you're doing there, but we'll save that for, for the end. Um, so anything, you know, before we start, we always like to talk about, you know, one, something a we, little we more thought we had about one. you. We thought we had one. We thought he was, for a second, we were like, oh, it's our, That's right. our first English guest, but no, no. Yeah, we Tim actually, you, you reminded yeah. me, we had Tim Clark from Salesforce talk about events and, and, and doing uh we talked talk a little bit about Quotable, some of the things they're doing there. Um, I got to ask, you know, typically they say that Englishmen um, have more dates than non-Englishmen here in America. Tom, is that true? Are you single? I, I just have to ask. I got to throw that out there. <laughs> Uh, well, I know my wife will be listening. Oh so my that's goodness! A, that's, oh. A, that's just a no-go game. Yeah, so, so is, that's an yeah. off. So we got three married, three married, yeah, three married. Good way to play it safe there, Tom. That's probably the right way to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, married? Any any children? If I may ask, Tom. Yeah, I've got I've got two girls. I've got two girls. Fantastic. I, I, guess, I guess one thing is interesting, you know, uh, is that all gateway was a, a great experience, but I managed to live, work, and sell in about four countries in that time. So wow. I spent a lot of time in London, uh, Sydney. I, I spent three years in New York, and I've ended up in Boston most recently. So New York uh, and Boston are two separate companies countries <laughs> yeah just so it's been interesting seeing the different way that you know 
people approach stuff from a sales perspective. So yeah, so so Sydney, London, New York, Boston. What was your favorite? Do you have a favorite place so far? Uh, well, I'm uh, I'm uh, obviously from like lived and worked in London all my life, so I, but uh, I, I guess I'm uh, I guess I'm um, honorary American now, being there like four years ago, green card. And, uh, hey, congratulations. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah, I, I just, uh, we, I just we should ask him some American trivia, see how good he we is. Should. At <laughs> yeah, some sort of test or something like that. Yeah, but no, I, I, just, uh, I just love the way that uh, you guys approach stuff with uh, the positivity, uh, the forward thinking, <laughs> that, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit that the US has. And yeah. that's kind of why me and my wife loved it so much. And we've, we've never looked back really, we've been here since. So. My, my favorite, we had one of the, our managers here or a director here who was from England. And on 4th of July, he used to post all over Facebook, Happy Traders Day <laughs> <laughs> versus our Independence Day. <laughs> yeah, you get some interesting things. You get some interesting Americans. There's no doubt about that. I'm sure you've run into that, Tom. So It's all about perspective and point of view. <clears throat> Amen to that. Amen to that. So, um, well, wait, man. We appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate you being in America, for goodness sakes. Um, <laughs> So today we're going to dive in and talk about uh, this concept of coaching. Sounds like it's a problem you've run into. You've certainly uh, solutioned it. You've worked around it as you've led sales teams. Um, and I want to talk, maybe you can actually speak from experience on this one. How have you in the past actually created a culture of coaching? What, what's been kind of your secret sauce? Yeah, well, I, I think it's a, it's a really interesting point that most like take take it back when I started Royal Gateway, I was like 23 years old, right? And we, we were scaling it, and then suddenly, before you know it, you've got a team. So there, there is this. It's not really a myth out there, but most most people, you don't know how to coach, right? You're not taught at university. You're not taught at high school. You're not taught. You're not taught anywhere, kind of how to coach. So uh, if people don't naturally have that gift, it's no one's really taught it anywhere. But um, I do feel that uh, it, it's definitely. Well, from what I've seen, too dependent on the manager and the leader, right? So you guys have been in sales management roles, right? And InsideSales.com, so you know, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. It, it all falls on the manager's head. And uh, I just think something that we always uh, tried uh, to make sure that it had much more of a social approach and it came from the team. Mm. Yeah, so it, whether that was, you know, you hire, tend to hire, you know, in twos or threes or whatever, because that makes more sense. But if you can train people and coach people together and they can uh, have this kind of social element to coaching where the team are coming to you rather than it being all dependent on the leader is a much better a way to kick off the foundation of any sort of best practice. Interesting. So, because um, that, that would be unique. I mean, a lot of people, when they say, how do they create a culture of coaching, they may jump right into the concept of, you know, we maybe went for visibility or we... We put a structure, organization around it. But you went to, to social. When you when you talk about creating kind of a, a social aspect to coaching, can you give us one more step on that? What what would that look like, or what would how would you you're getting other reps involved in the coaching experience? Can can you dive into that just a little more? Yeah. So I think it's really interesting, right? So everyone has a different philosophy on sales, whether it's like spin or challenger, right? Or right. All those, all those different. Things. It's like but, name uh, your name your top ten sales methodologies, yeah. right? Yeah, there's tons of them out there. Yeah, I've never read any of them. If <laughs> 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 I'll be completely honest, because I think every you can take bits from everything you learn over the years, but you've got to 
you know, every business is going to have its own approach and its own way of doing it ultimately. But I think if you're talking about the the social aspect, you've got to have a framework, right, A, a way, a structure, but also you've got to know what you're looking for. But if you can instill that in the company, uh, your employees need to know from day one. So say you've got a new, new sales rep graduate or someone with one or two years experience, they need to start by listening back to their own uh, sales activity, you know, to see how they can improve. But you've got to be able to show them, like hold a mirror up to them and show them exactly what they're looking for because they don't, they don't know what they're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can make it, make it visible for them to actually see what they're looking for, that's the starting point for me, really. Interesting. So as soon as sales reps are able to see it, they can start to look at it themselves and potentially they can have some of their colleagues look at it as well and potentially provide feedback or tips or pointers. But I, I like the idea of it being social because I remember when I when I got my first sales job and my had a manager listened to one of my calls. We went into a room. We did the coaching session. He had his little sheet that he had filled out of, of how I did on the call. And he passed it to me, turned it upside down so no one else could see it. He handed it to me so I'd look at it and don't show it to anybody. This is your own coaching. It was very much a, it was almost like a, a compensation, like a, uh, a, a kind of like a commission voucher or something. You know, don't show anybody. And now this is the exact opposite approach. It's hey, let's let's all work together to make everybody better. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I had um, I had four guys in our inside sales team in New York, and because uh, we, we moved in my previous role, we moved office from New York to Boston. But um, we used to do something on a Friday, uh, and it was called a Friday roast. And it was it was on the basis that you'd roast someone's call in a, in a jovial way, right? So the guys would get together, and they would uh, put up a couple of their own calls or pieces of sales activity to actually analyze together as a team. Do you see what I mean from that kind of social element? Yeah. So sometimes, yeah. some, sometimes the manager wouldn't even be involved. they just take it upon themselves to do it. So once you give them that framework and they know what they're looking for, well, you know they're the, they're the ones out there doing it every day. They can give each other constructive feedback in a way that's fun, that they enjoy, that uh, they're actually kind of bonding and doing it together. Yeah, I mean, I do think this is going to be, you know, Tom, you and I have talked about millennials and a lot of studies out there saying that millennials are now 50% of the workforce. You know, they're starting to take take the kind of baits and become the, the main driver in a lot of organizations. and. When I think of millennials, um, a lot of these quote-unquote old-school methodologies that we've done, whether it's with software, whether it's with coaching, whether it's Mm -hmm. with motivation, compensation, it's just different because of the attitudes and attributes. And I think, you know, when I think of millennials, I think of those like personality types or the archetypes of of gamification or, you know, what, what really motivates people. And boy, with millennials, it's not necessarily money. So hitting and tapping into that concept of social where, man, if you had a platform or a way to make coaching an, an activity that we all participated in, similar to, I mean, at a high level concept, like a Facebook or an Instagram where we're all mm-hmm. topping and talking and liking and interacting, I think that's what's going to jive more with millennials. So I think that's a unique approach rather than just saying, hey, we need to do it and here's some visibility. Making it social, I think, is one way that millennials will actually grab on and do it. But I also like the idea of the uh, the branding it, the, the Friday roast. So much of <laughs> so, so much of yeah. managing a sales team is is marketing and how you position things. Totally. And if you, I love it. I love. I'm going to try it. 
with my with my guys, the Friday roast. Because <laughs> Friday generally, in, especially in B two B sales, tends to be a slower day, right? Or at least yeah. it's perceived as a slower day. So that's the day to do it, right? And so to to give them a chance to kind of uh, learn and laugh a little bit together, that's that's how you build a team. Yeah, you got to make it fun. Yeah. Got to make it fun. So, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was saying the millennial thing is is interesting. So, like. I, I've worked in millennials my whole career, and I am one just about technically. And uh, <laughs> what do you mean the, just about? Are you or uh, are you not? You, we need to know. Hey, hey, are you in or are you out? If you look at on Wikipedia, it says anyone under thirty-four is a millennial. Hey, uh, I'm so a millennial. I'm thirty-two, but yeah, I I'm guess there's some, some traits wait, 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 in me that would be uh, slightly. I'm the old man. Not a millennial. Yeah. yeah, are you? You're yeah. Are you not a millennial? I'm thirty-eight. Are you 38? I'm 38. <laughs> I've been giving him a hard time. If you listen to back issues of the pot, like old episodes, give Gabe a hard time about being the old guy. <laughs> Are you serious? You're 38? I'm 38. You've yeah. been hiding this for me this whole time. Well, I've only been hiding right here. Wow. Well, <laughs> sorry, that's awkward. I had no clue. You're like 20 years older than everybody. Okay. Um, all right. So, wow. I think for a future episode of uh, our podcast, we're going to do an episode on math. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, that's not quite correct, 20 years. I was just trying to expand that a little bit, Steve, make people think you're a little older. Um, so, okay, so yeah, you were, ta- you were talking, Tom, about millennials. Oh, you're yeah. officially a millennial then. Yeah. Uh, so what were you kind of saying there? So I, I guess I wouldn't like say a sweeping statement about millennials in general because I can only talk about right. working day-to-day with sales sales guys and girls are millennials, right? Right. But I do, I do know that, you know, I saw a lot of learning and development stuff in HR and people generally don't want a quiz. They don't want another project or another task. You know, they want to they really be feel inspired by the top performers in their own business. Yeah, you want to visually be able to see their progress, understand a pathway. But like we're talking about that social thing, they want the ability to be able to support each other Millennials yeah. are a lot more open. They they want feedback. They want to share. So that 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 experience of sharing and learning needs to happen in real time. Yeah. Uh, but you guys know as well. You don't. You know, in sales, you lose more than you win. In fact, the the highs are very few compared to the lows. So you know, making sure that you have a balance in, in which they feel like they're progressing and winning is 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 important. I think you know in anything. We look to do in the future in sales, sales coaching or sales tech. Generally. Oh man, I, I I really do. I think I've I've come to believe more and more that the millennial push is we're going to continue to see changes, and I think you've hit some of them. I mean, they're rejecting a lot of enterprise software. You know, look for a millennial if it's just not good, then I'm just not gonna use it. Um, this idea of giving me fifty tools, um, mm-hmm. I, I just won't use all fifty. I will find the ones that actually work for me, and I will and I'll throw the rest away. And so. People are having to design around that. People are having to change their, you know, again, motivation and compensation. I, I think you're going to continue to see it in coaching, certainly one of the topics. Well, I, I think also if you look at the way you know, your stereotypical millennial, I'll, I'll speak about millennials in general. <laughs> I don't know if your opinion means anything, but I'm going to let you continue. Go wow. Wow. You're not a millennial. You've been I'm, acting I'm, like you're a millennial, but you're just not. I'm on the I'm I'm on the edge. I I, I don't belong to by either. twenty years. By twenty years, millennial Matt. But but I think you you look at the way that millennials spend a lot of their time, and the, the stereotypical millennial wants to post something on Facebook, not Facebook, Instagram, That's Snapchat. Right. That's right. Facebook's so old. But you want to post things on there, and then 
the the thing that millennials are known for is they want the likes, they want the comments. Yeah. If you keep it social, yeah. then you're able to do that and, and uh, take advantage of that and build off an existing system that uh, that that's already working. That is already in place. That's right. So, so Tom, let's move to kind of the next concept here. I mean, you've worked with a lot of sales leaders, and probably as you had your team, maybe coach different managers on where to spend their time. <laughs> this seems to be a little bit of an issue. Um, you know, are sales leaders spending time where it has the most impact? And, and if not, how, how do you correct it? Yeah, I, I think I, I, I've done a few, uh, like, studies personally and looked at, obviously, I've got a lot of peers in sales and stuff like that. But the the one thing is, because of the world uh, that CRMs have created, right, the, the, the go-to is data, right? So... A lot of time you think, well, what is, you know, people talk the talk, oh, what's the most important thing developing your team? Uh, do they put their money where their mouth is? And if you looked at a wagon wheel of a sales leader's time, are they spending the most time actually getting the best out of the t- their team? Is there actual tools out there to help them do that? So, you know, do people spend more time looking at, you know, CRM reporting and, and, and being in one-to-ones reviewing those, those statistics and numbers rather than actually... Uh, getting out there and uh, improving the performance of the individual. Mm, yeah, interesting. Are you a believe? Uh, what would be your thought on? Do you spend? Should managers spend more time coaching their bottom performers, their average performers, or their top performers? Any thoughts or advice on that? Yeah, I think one thing we're really interested in at Jiminy is um, showing how you can take uh, a B player to an A player, or a B player, a B player to a B plus player. You know, um, and actually see that performance mm. before you're waiting for them to either miss a KPI or miss a quota. Um, you know, for me, I think it depends. Like that's such a, a loaded question, right? And I'm not trying to swerve it. You know, right? <laughs> uh, uh, political. Put you on the hot seat, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna answer that question by asking me this question. Yeah, no, that would be I, a real political thing I, to do. I think it's based on the size of your team, right? So everyone goes through this. When you get past five people, you can't hide the fact that there's two uh, or one or two people that kill it for you and the rest that don't. And that's a fact, right? So once you get right. past like five salespeople, you start to see the gaps more, right? Because then you see the people that, that kind of aren't performing and then, then it starts to get scrutinized. So why are we spending this money on salary and why are we spending this and these people aren't, aren't hitting the numbers that we're kind of putting out there yeah interesting but, but, but for me i think there's a you know if you've got if you've got top performers whether they're experienced or not there's certain value you can add um in in like the time that you do it so it might not be as constant but i think the most interesting bit for me is that it's middle ground right? everyone knows the stats half of people out there miss their quota mm-hmm. like sales reps you know 50 right. so on average in the u.s we you know miss their quota so it's really interested in that that middle chunk of people. And there's always going to be the 10 or 20% at the bottom, right, who just probably aren't right, haven't been recruited right, aren't right. a good culture fit, aren't a good skill fit. And um, that's just mistakes that happen. But uh, I think there's a really interesting, like, probably in any organization, 30, 40% of people that just need the right time and the right support to become, you know, great salespeople. Mm, yeah. Well, Steve, what do you, what's your thought on that? I mean, you have, you've run teams. Coaching, uh, where do you spend most of your time? Top, bottom, average, perform a little bit across everybody. A little bit across everybody. I think everybody can get a little bit better. Um, and I found that the people who are the top performers generally are the ones who are most hungry for some coaching because they want to get even that much better. Yeah. Um, you know, I do think that 
you know, I, I worked at Gallup, the Gallup uh, company for a while, and they have that book called Strengths Finder, like a strengths-based organization. Yeah, yeah, their their mantra, and I certainly got kind of brainwashed by it. I, I think there's a lot of truth to it, but a lot of their studies found that people spend most of their time trying to coach weaknesses or trying to find the right. bottom performers right. and get them up. And a lot of their studies on human performance said that people don't change that much. You know, it's hard to take a bottom performer, kind of like Tom was saying, you know, Sometimes there's people that you spend most of the time on, and they're not able. They're just not able to do it. Right. If you spend time on people who actually have the talent for the role, and you give them those skills that they need, then all of a sudden you're moving to a strength. So I have been more of a believer, man. If you can spend time on people who are better and right. get them the right skills and activities, uh, then then you, you move it. Any quick thoughts I, on that, Tom? Uh, yeah, I think that's really interesting. So I don't think a lot of the time a sales leader actually knows where to start. Yeah. Because you don't know, like, okay, so what would you actually want to see? Well, I want to be able to easily see where to coach my new starters. I want to easily be able to see um, which deals are closing and how I can coach them, and that might help my top performers. So I think there's a way of, like, recategorizing it. You know, I want to see people who were killing it, and for some reason there's a dip in performance, and how can I help them? So it's almost like you've got to reverse engineer it a little bit and go... Okay, well, there's different people in the, the, the cycle of, you know, how long they've been in the business or how they're performing, and you need to relate it to that. Because yeah. if I was putting my manager hat on and going back to, you know, being a sales manager, it's like, well, what do I want to see? And I think it's giving the sales leader that visibility to see where the coaching needs to happen. That would be the most powerful thing yeah. we can do today. Yeah, is to go about where do you where do you need to coach? Because at the moment, you just there's loads of you know, activity out there, and you're just thinking, well, where do I start, right? So it's, yeah. it's actually giving the, let's give the sales leaders the power to see where to coach first, and then, you know, go from there. Then, then you can actually guide it and direct it. That makes sense. That makes sense. So let's, as we kind of wrap this up, let me get, let me just get out a couple other quick questions. So one is, any quick tips on actually, um, you know, coaching sales reps? I mean, are we developing sales reps in a way that they actually can learn anything you found to be more effective than others? Um, I think I've seen, like, like, you know, everyone has a different approach and there's no there's no kind of right or wrong right. to, but I think I've seen some tools out there where you're like they're picking out like a keyword of a conversation or something like that. And, you know, it's interesting, but it's not really the way I think you coach a sales call. What I'm, I'm really interested in is the, the the broader kind of framework of what you're looking for in each call and a sales guy understanding that, mm. right? So if we, we're talking about earlier, so say there's a, a discovery call, which is something that happens frequently in kind of uh, most businesses, right? Yeah. There'll be uh, certain things you're looking for. So it'll be like uncovering the needs, selling in the value based on the needs, building a relationship, closing the next step. So for me, it's making it really clear that with each step of your sales process, you know, what you're looking for as a leader and your, your team are really kind of clear on that. Yeah. So I think most, most people, if you if you went in and said, uh, right, so what does your manager, you know, what do you look for in these kind of calls? I'm not sure everyone is always kind of clear on exactly, they're not always on the same page about what they're looking for each uh, step in the sales process. Yeah. So that would be one thing for me. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, do you, how do you actually, and maybe we can kind of close it out with this, what are your thoughts on, on KPIs or actually measuring performance? Any tips or tricks there? Um, I don't know. I think it's a, there's a big shift happening there. 
you know, I think um, the, the, the days of, because of the way kind of lead gen is done now and stuff like that, I think uh, KPIs are kind of, um, this might be more in B2B and software companies, but are kind of dying out, right? You don't you don't tell someone necessarily, right, you've got to make 50 calls today mm. or something like that. I don't, I don't think that that approach is, is, is necessarily out there. But in terms of, um, you know, how to get the best out of the, the team and stuff like that, I think you're you're really looking for the, the way in which they improve, you know, and breaking that down into bite-sized chunks. So for example, what I was talking about earlier is if you've got five or six kind of key steps in your sales process, rather than just bringing in a rep in year one, year two, and actually seeing what revenue they've done, start to break down earlier, you know, how they're performing in each individual part of your sales process. And if you can get an idea of that a lot quicker as a sales leader, you'll, you'll understand how well that person's going to perform for you and if they're going to kind of be that uh, star performer you need or work out in the business. I guess. Interesting. Interesting. I like it. I like it. So, well, we can wrap this up. Tom, really appreciate you jumping on the show today. Um, talking about coaching, training, and some of Tom's experience. Excited to see what he's got in his pocket as he works with his startup here. Tom, um, any kind of words of wisdom to close here? Or if someone did want to get in contact with you, uh, how would you recommend that? Yeah, so um, uh, I'm always open if anyone's got any kind of questions about sales or uh, just wants to have a conversation, they can can get in touch. I've got a blog out there. They can find me easy on, easily on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, if they, if they want to know more about Jiminy, we're launching uh, in the spring of next year. Um, but generally, our overall goal is to really help you know, improve performance and drive success. And we believe that we're going to bring something that's going to make coaching something that happens as part of the day-to-day sales operation. So yeah, if you go to Jiminy, it's 1M2M, so Jiminy.com, uh, and you can kind of leave the details there, and we, we'll chat to you about how we can help. Perfect. Steve, over to you. Jiminy with 1M and two N's. Got it. Got it. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, And uh, to those uh, listening, please uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Leave comments, suggestions, reviews. All those are helpful. Um, You can email us at podcast at insidesales.com. I know there were a couple of uh, response out of emails that we got, uh, questions about that. Uh, and, and also, we, we loved seeing the breakup emails. Those were a blast. Uh, Twitter, uh, you can find Gabe at, at Gabe Larson, and I'm at Steve Error on LinkedIn. And then uh, look for us on LinkedIn. And uh, with that, let's get at it. <laughs>